0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available. Intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
1: It's certainly the case that people have said to me, well, how dare you say that after you've seen the world? You know, why should you be telling other people not to see the world? I'm, I'm not really saying not to see the world, but I understand their point. Listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now, your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore.
0: Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. to Travel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. And I know there's a lot going on in the world. And now I've got a show that you're listening to. It's called Is Your Summer Vacation Destroying the Planet? Maybe it sounds a little over the top. Uh, Really, any vacation you take, is it destroying the planet? This is a very important question i mean we want to be good travelers right we want to be good world citizens we want to be good people and treat the planet the way it needs to be treated so how can we do that and still fulfill our travel dreams how can we do that and still see the places we want to see the guilt that might come with that one of the things that comes up in this interview is the fact that We, as individuals, on average, create three pounds of waste uh, on a flight. Three pounds. That's insane. I talk about how guilty I feel when I end up ordering a drink on the plane. Just that plastic cup is just going to sit in some landfill. Anyway, the goal of today's show is not to make you feel guilty or make you feel bad. It's to educate, to have an important conversation, to inform, I believe, If we want to be good world citizens, we should be working all the time to gain a better understanding around climate change and culture and humanity and all of the things going on around us. And, you know, during this pandemic lockdown where people aren't traveling as much, this has been a shift for a lot of people. They're reassessing uh, some of the things in their life, maybe reassessing their careers, maybe even the way... They are traveling maybe you are doing that a lot of people are traveling closer to home now and that's a different experience right do we always have to go to these far-flung destinations the other side of that coin is that well <laughs> you heard this at the top of the show because like asked seth during the interview well you know isn't it easy for us to sit here we have traveled many places and now what we're saying oh you can't travel as much anymore you shouldn't go as far well, easy for you guys to say because you've done it, right? And and maybe somebody listening to this is just starting out or hasn't been to many places and wants to see more. So I brought that up. I think that was important to talk about. And there are a lot of other things that come up. And this is a fun conversation, I promise you. It's, it's engaging. You're going to enjoy it. It's not a downer. So don't uh, look at the title and don't <laughs> look at the subject matter and think, oh, man, here we go. Something now I got to feel bad about my upcoming travels because it's destroying the planet. Listen, like I said, that is not the goal. The goal is just to have important conversations and share them. And I do think it's our responsibility as travelers to be aware of the impact we have so we can make smart decisions. We're not saying we're not taking away any of your travels right now. I promise you. Uh, I mean, I host a a podcast called Zero to Travel. (laughs) I'm not going to take away your travels. (laughs) My guest today is not uh, going to do that as well. But we are going to talk about this important topic. And I know you're going to really enjoy the conversation. So please enjoy it and stick around because on the back end, I do have a special shout out for somebody in this community. Okay, let's get into my chat with Seth I will see you on the other side, my friend. I'm with. Seth Kugel, who has been on the podcast before, and I'm thrilled to have him back. He's the author of a book, Rediscovering Travel, A Guide for the Globally Curious. We dove deep on the subject matter in that book on the last show. So if you want to give that a listen, I thought it was a really important one because we talked about travel technology and how it can impact your travel experience and some of the things to be wary of when it comes to certain resources and apps and things like that so definitely encourage you to check that out and you know seth uh, he like wormholes into my brain somehow i don't know like i like things that i'm thinking about like all of a sudden he comes out with a book about it or uh an article about it and you know lately uh, i've been thinking a lot about you know more conscious travel and also just making that more of a topic here on the podcast and i think um we're gonna get into this today it sounds like seth Uh, had an existential crisis around this as well, maybe not as extreme as that term. But anyway, Seth, welcome back to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you so much. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about this torturous subject.
0: (laughs) Well, this is what happened. I was browsing through my smartphone and reading New York Times and I came across this article that you wrote, which was, How Guilty Should You Feel About Your Vacation? And I was like, Oh, and then the tagline was, and what can you do about it? And I was like, oh, here we go. This is like all the stuff I'm thinking about. And then what I see under the byline by Seth Kugel, I said, oh, let me bookmark this one. I'm going to have to have him on the podcast to talk about this. And one of the quotes you said about a paragraph in is like, is your summer vacation destroying the planet? And we can get into some of the issues. We're not just talking about carbon emissions and air travel. There are some other things that you brought up in the article, but I think this is a hugely important topic obviously given climate change and everything that's going on and we as travelers like if we're not becoming aware about our impact the the, the impact that our travel has we're not we're not being very good people or travelers i would say so how did this Article come to be, we we kind of started getting into it. I said, "No, Seth, you got to save it for the podcast." So
1: yeah, <laughs> um, well, it's a, it's a sort of a little known fact that uh, a lot of the opinion articles in the New York Times are commissioned. They don't just sort of people don't just send in articles to the New York. The people do send in opinion articles to the New York Times, and they often get published the editors also have some topic that they're interested in exploring and then come to people that they know and trust or like or you know hope or who knows think are think have some unique perspective on it so uh, an editor at the Times had had been living in England and had noticed a lot of people talking about travel shaming which is something that actually started in your neck of the woods in Scandinavia um, yeah. talking about how you shouldn't uh flight chaining I guess is is the better way to put it how flying is such a huge contributor to uh, carbon emissions and actually not just carbon lots of other greenhouse gas emissions and that people it's irresponsible to be flying one should be getting places other ways of course in Europe you have the train uh, which is a great substitute it's a little harder for us in the US to find a way to get places without without flying, but so they came to me and said, uh, well, uh, our pe- should people not be going on vacation or should people be feeling guilty about, uh, sort of, uh, should people be thinking that air travel for tourism is kind of frivolous. And I had thought about that in the past, but not so much. You'll see some mention of it in my book, but it's not something I delved really deep into. And I. You know, when the New York Times comes to you and asks you to do an article, you kind of usually say yes. Uh, but as I dove into it and really started interviewing people about things like carbon credits and offsets and things like that and, and finding out just how complicated this was, I I really did have kind of an existential crisis. Like, you know, as I say in the beginning of the article, I'd, I'd often wondered what it would be like to work for, say, a petroleum company and realize like you are destroying the planet by the work you do and then i kind of realized well maybe that's what travel writers do too as you said it's not just carbon emissions there's also a lot of us uh, sort of um cities that are uh, impacted by over tourism and cultures that are destroyed when big hotel chains come in and buy up their fishing village and that kind of stuff so uh, i wrote the article but i didn't really come to a conclusion uh, so in fact, someone actually, uh, the reason I even talk about existential crisis is, is, one of my good friends wrote to me and basically said, sounds like you're having an existential crisis, uh, mm-hmm. with this article. And it's true. It's very, very hard to come up with the answer something, travel is something we love so much. Like for some people, uh, it's the greatest part of their life beyond say their family. You know, it's, it's the biggest joy people have and the world is an amazing place and it is so, uh, I think it's the most interesting thing you can do get out of where you, you live and, 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 and. Find out. I'm more of a people person than a nature person, but just see how what kind of crazy ways people are living in other places. It opens your mind to think different ways. It makes you a better person. But then you have to weigh that now against the damage it's doing, and it's it's very hard to to deal with to think about if it's a big part of your life.
0: Yeah. So this is an ongoing existential crisis, I guess. Ongoing. Sounds like yeah, oh, yeah. I
1: mean. Oh, I- I've been thinking about ways to incorporate this into my travel writing. Should I become a a, a sustainable travel person? Should I uh, I've thought about should I try to promote ways to explore the world without traveling? Because now with technology there's so many ways to develop relationships with people in faraway places. So, I'm not giving up traveling. i I'm, I've I have actually thought like maybe I should, maybe I should just be the travel writer that stopped traveling, but I haven't quite reached that point yet. Uh, in fact, I'm going to Brazil in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, it's 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 very it's hard to figure out, but there are ways you can minimize your impact for sure and still continue to travel.
0: Yeah. And we should let people know, in case you haven't heard Seth's name before, you were the former frugal traveler for the New York Times. So you were, when you say you were a travel writer, I mean, you were like full-time for how many years doing that column? Six,
1: six, Five or six years.
0: Six years traveling pretty intensely, right? And that's not including your pleasure trips.
1: Well, when you're a travel writer that's traveling full-time, your pleasure trips are when you get to stay home and just go out to the store.
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting, like, like you said, when you opened the article and you kind of compared the travel writing profession to working in like a coal mine or something or whatever you said. It's like, cause it's not the thing that kind of people ever really associate. And I lump in like the travel writers are destroying the planet. This is a huge issue. And this is why I wanted to talk about it. And like, I, I mean, you'll hear probably in this rambling conversation, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to ramble a bit that we, neither of us has the answers, but I, I want to kind of talk through some of the issues with you, Seth. And I know you came to some conclusions as, on the article, uh a bit but of course any article you know your opinions change you learn new things it was a, a few months ago now you just got back from a trip right because i know you were traveling you didn't actually where, where were you were you somewhere last week
1: uh, uh oh i was camping oh, okay was camping.
0: you were at a, um, a staycation
1: Uh well you know it was a it was about five hour drive upstate new york it didn't seem like a stay vacation because i live in new york city and we went up fairly close to the Canadian border, um, to a great place called Lowe's Lake. It's like canoe camping where you go and just, you can only get to the campsites by canoe and it's out on a big long lake. And, uh, I don't do that that often. I'm not a big camping guy, but I do have friends that camp once a year and I go with them. Um, but even that, you know, we rented cars and drove for five hours in transportation. I just read this. That transportation, this might be only in the United States. I don't know if this is worldwide, but transportation, I think it is the US, has taken over as the biggest contributor to uh, climate change, to, to greenhouse gas emissions.
0: This is a tough thing. The thing that I've been thinking about is, you know, as somebody who's promoting travel, for a lot of people, like maybe travel isn't a thing for them or it's not the end all be all and it's not something that they necessarily want or need in their lives. But for a lot of people to listen to the show, uh, something about travel, I don't know how it was for you, but at a certain point, I don't know, it was just like, even before I had done it, it was something like I just felt internally I needed to do. So for those people, I want to help them do that. But I also want to create awareness around this topic because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about it already. And if you're not, hopefully you are after this show. Um, Let's start with the, the fleece gum thing, the flight shaming movement, because one of the things you brought up in the article was... And you just kind of touched on it there a little bit, just talking about your uh, camping experience. I sensed like a little guilt. You're like, well, we drove five hours away and like maybe you didn't have to go so far, kind of some undertones on that. Like this idea of shame as an emotion, you brought up in the article, it being kind of the wrong way to approach the problem. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. The movement is to make you feel terrible for for, for travel, but... Uh, I think that the much better way, the conclusion I kind of came to is the much better way to deal with it is instead of just feeling guilty, uh, you should feel like uh, you should take action. Uh, you should learn about uh, climate change and the social impact of travel and be aware of what you're doing and look for ways to change it, uh, not only in your own own behavior, but in sort of a wider a wider way. So I talked to a one expert who basically said that studies show that guilt doesn't change behavior very much. And I, I know that from my own donut consumption. I feel very guilty <laughs> eating donuts, uh, but that does not stop me from eating more donuts. Uh, so I slammed and,
0: two pastries about uh, a couple hours ago. So you know.
1: Well, you're you've got great pastries over there. <laughs> we do. I mean, that's, I, I uh, we're starting to get some some Scandinavian pastries in the US these days, these coffee shops that, you know, claim to be Scandinavian. Anyway, that's totally besides the point. I'd say the overwhelming overarching debate here, uh, both my internal debate and the debate in sort of the climate change world is whether individual actions really matter. And of course they matter a little bit. Of course, when you, um, you know, if you if you burn coal in your house rather than going solar, you are contributing to, to climate change. But people have a limited ability to. People are busy. They have to make a living. They have to take care of their family. Um, they have to have some fun. So, how much effort we all put into saving the planet is limited. And what can we do to maximize our impact to do that? And the question is, can we, is, is our in, are our individual choices more important or would say, um, well, we're now in a presidential election year. Should I be volunteering for the campaign of the candidate I think can do the best job on the environment and can do much more as president than I could ever do by using plastics, not using plastic straws? I mean, I think the plastic straw a thing, I don't know if you guys. Have that over there where you are, but I'm sure you're aware that plastic straws are um, sort of become the symbol of evil in the environmental world and and places are stopping using plastic straws. And um, I think, you know, I'm all in favor of of not using straws. Straws are stupid anyway. Just drink the drink. You know, you just use your mouth. That's what it's for. But on the other hand, it's a little it's a little exaggerated. I mean, it's it's a way to think like, oh, I'm not using plastic straws anymore, so I'm okay, I'm fine. Uh, certainly if you're traveling a few times a year, your carbon emissions from, from your flights are much greater than using plastic straws. So the question is like, what should you do? How can you maximize your effort? I mean, you could become a, a if you're young and listening to this, you could become a client, climate scientist. You could become an advocate for for the environment, all that kind of stuff. But for people who are haven't taken that path, what can you do? And the question, and, and so it really comes down to individual action versus contributing to collective action.
0: I think the individual actions, of course, matter because uh, then, you know, if everybody gets, re- I mean, even the plastic straws are a small thing, but if, you know, a million people stop doing it, then that's a million less plastic straws on that day. And that adds up over time, of course. But I kind of the individual actions versus taking a look at like the the bigger systems or the bigger corporations at play. And I mean, there was actually just an article in the New York Times four days ago that was about airline food waste. And there's a British design firm that has an idea to use banana leaves as part of the solution. I always think about that when you're sitting on a plane and you have this meal. And, you know, I, I feel guilty just getting... I mean, I can't help the guilt thing, man. The shame just comes on. I don't know. like I, If I get a drink uh, when I'm sitting in my... Um, sitting in my seat on the airline and I'm not using my water bottle or Lord forbid if I get like two drinks I've just used like two plastic cups and now I have all this other food waste I guess apparently according to this article the average airline passenger leaves behind about three pounds of waste each flight that's insane
1: yeah I mean I read that article too and I was struck by the fact also that when you go to a different country they throw away all the food when they get there even if the food that doesn't get eaten gets thrown away Because of customs, you know, you you can't let foreign foods into the country. It's incredibly wasteful. Of course, if you solve the problem of plastic waste in an airplane, it doesn't mean the airplane flying isn't causing problems, but it's certainly a great step. And it seems like such an easy thing to do because it's just crazy that I spent all this time. Sorting my recycling at home and then I get on a plane and all this crazy.
0: (laughs) Throw this plastic around. That's
1: right. It's It's, it's unbelievable. (laughs) There's so many different ways to contribute to to this. And I think so, for example, the people working on that are doing a really great thing. They're solving a problem that seems to be easily solvable. And I think that's what we all need to look for as a way to contribute in our own lives. That's that's significant. And for me, that might be writing about the issue more.
0: I think for everybody, the goal here is to get you thinking about, okay, there are the things you can do as an individual, but are there things you can do or use, for example, a platform like this podcast, or for you, Seth, you're writing, or for somebody listening might be something else, use as leverage to make a difference in a bigger way uh, and create more sustainable travel, more conscious travel, more awareness even.
1: For sure. I mean, that said, there's lots of things you can do when you do travel to make things better.
0: Well, let's talk about them.
1: Well, I mean, one thing is to fly less. Um, if you, if you take three, one week vacations a year, you might want to think about taking one three week vacation a year. You may want to think about spending more time in one place. I mean, rather than flying around from place to place during your trip. Uh, that's better anyway. I mean, uh, uh, what I love is when there's a, a way to reduce your impact that also improves your travel. I, I, I just, I always have a friend who went on a honeymoon and they decided, Oh, they don't travel that much. So they should go to like eight different cities in two weeks or something like that. And I just said, don't do it. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about the the environmental impact. It just doesn't make any sense. Go to one city for two weeks and really get to know it. That's one thing you can definitely do you can um take it's so tempting now in Europe to fly everywhere on these cheap flights you can take a train and the trains are more fun they take a little bit longer they might be a little bit more expensive and there's all kinds of of course environmentally conscious companies out there and, and um including some airlines are better than others i mean just do it i don't have it on on hand but you can look up like which airlines have been best rated. There's a lot of things airlines can do to reduce their impact. Some of the um, airline sites, uh, the, the the online travel agencies now when you book will actually tell you which airlines use less you know, fossil fuel than, than the other. Or which planes are more efficient and that sort of thing. There's lots of little things you can do. One little thing I think we should all stop doing is counting how many countries we've been to. This this just drives me insane. It's like um, it's the it, it doesn't really matter how many countries you've been to when, when you travel. It matters that you go to the places you want to go and explore them thoroughly. Uh, it just there there are travelers who sort of try to to, to hit every country in, in the world. They try to go to 190 countries or 213 countries. Or there's a lot of ways to measure how many countries there are in the world, and they just drive me absolutely nuts. Because they're going to a place for like one or two days, they're flying in, they're flying out, they're just wasting everybody's uh, planet, you know, planet essentially. So, you know, being smart about your trips, people will then say, "Well, I have to visit my, you know, my parents every year. I have to fly to see them at Christmas." Well, right, that seems to be something you you shouldn't miss out on. But there's lots of other ways to to travel more efficiently. Uh, for when it's for pleasure not that you wouldn't be visiting your parents for pleasure
0: (laughs) (laughs) you've been traveling for some years now do you think that you have the luxury of saying that knowing that hey you've seen a bunch of the world already because i can just think back because i'm of the same mindset now but i remember when i was backpacking through europe in 24 i was like this when I was 24, I was like this, you know, I got the backpack. I'm like, I want to just go around and see as much as I can. And yeah, I was doing it by train and everything like that. So that was good. But it was, uh, it was there was more of a desire to kind of skip around and just see different places and soak in as much as I could. So, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, and, and it's certainly the case that people have said to me, well, how dare you say that after you've seen the world." You know, why should you be telling other people not to see the world? I'm, I'm not really saying not to see the world, but I understand their point. The, the parallel I think about is uh, that we in the uh, in, in the United States and in Europe uh, have been emitting greenhouse gases for like over a century now. And we're trying to get the developing countries not to do it as they try to develop. So so we're trying to tell India and China, for example, that they shouldn't. Burn coal and they shouldn't, um, you know, all ha- own their own cars now. And we've been doing it for like a century. I mean, things change. We know things now that we didn't know before, or at least maybe we should have known them before, but we didn't. And we can't act like we did before. I mean, uh, you know, go to our diet. Now you hear about how fruit juice is so bad for you because it's so full of sugar. Well, I've been eating, drinking fruit juice for decades too, and I'm 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 not trying to take away people's fruit juice uh, from them. And now that I've drank fruit juice for decades, uh, you know things change. Yeah, yeah, I got to travel a lot. Again, I'm not telling people not to travel, but like for example, I there's lots of parts of the world I really haven't been to. I haven't been to Southeast Asia at all been to none of those countries, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, these countries people love. And, you know, I'm willing not to go there. Um, I guess that's, you know, that doesn't really sound like much from someone who's been to a lot of other places. You know, you can choose not to listen to, to someone and say, you've been to a million places, why should you tell us what to do? But as I said, sort of things change, and this is my perspective on things, and I guess you can sort of take it or leave it. Sure, sure. Um,
0: I mean, one of the things that you brought up in the article that I thought was a really good point, because this leads into the idea of cutting back on travel. You said, you talked about sort of the uh, platitudes around travel, like it inspires, it educates, it reduces bigotry, and all those things are true, and we we all know how much travel can change you. But then you talked about, you know, not all trips are going to meet those standards. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, it sounds like that could be a good sort of practical... Uh, tool for absolutely yeah
1: we fall into a, a trap basically that we think travel is is just such a great thing in and of itself that sort of all travel is created equally like oh i'm traveling so i'm i'm increasing mankind's understanding of of ourselves and i'm uh learning and growing and but but certain trips are much more uh efficient at doing that than others i think the example i use in the article is like if you're going to the Maldives uh, islands on your honeymoon and you're going to sit around and stick your feet in the pool and uh, just enjoy luxury, well, the Maldives are very, very far from the United States. That's a very, very long flight. You can do very similar things in the Caribbean. Um, so, you know, think about that. I mean, the argument is not, you can. of course, then you can Turn all kinds of arguments around and say the Maldives need your money, and uh, the economy there depends on tourism. But, but that's not really like a cultural exchange trip that's solving the world's problems. So stop saying that travel is so great because you get to live in luxury. There's my um, nephew went on a trip. Right as I was writing this article, he's uh, 15 years old, and he went on an exchange trip to Vietnam, and it was a really well thought out cultural exchange and I would not ever tell a 15 year old that they shouldn't go on that trip. That's, that strikes me as an incredibly valuable trip when you're young and traveling, uh, not that you can't do it responsibly, but these are important lessons to be learned. And some people who, uh, who are, if you're young and you learn about the world through travel, you become a better person for sure. Uh, and that might have a a huge impact on what profession you choose. Maybe someone will have a a, a trip to, um, you know, Australia and become interested in coral reefs by visiting the Great Barrier Reef or or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, so different trips are worthy, sort of have different worths. Um, if you're a doctor and you're going to, part of your trip is to volunteer at a clinic when you're traveling somewhere. Well, that's obviously, you know, something better than just going and lying on the beach.
0: Yeah, I mean, with that philosophy too, you could also use it as motivation, right? You're like, "All right, I'm going to this on this trip. I know it's a bit of like a luxury trip, but what can I do to kind of offset that not in terms of carbon, but in terms of like the meaningfulness behind it, I guess, uh, and making it worthwhile in that way." So, it's almost like asking yourself this question, "Is this trip worth the carbon footprint that
1: I'm creating?" Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and making sure that it is, you know, just just being aware, I think even just distinguishing um, things you do just for your own pleasure, the things you do to educate or that might help other people, um, making sure yeah, that it's worth what you're paying. That You don't just have to think in terms of carbon footprint, but all all the other ways we. Uh, travel impacts, very the destinations. And we, I talk a little bit about, say, um, the impact some companies have. Airbnb is a very controversial company yeah. now.
0: Well, these were like the three sort of things you hit on. You hit on the air travel stuff, which we've talked about. Airbnb, driving up rents for the locals, that's a, that's a big issue right now. And over-tourism is another one. You use examples like Angkor Wat and, and Venice. So, uh, yeah, talk about some of your solutions around those.
1: Well, um, so I uh, am the ultimate Airbnb hypocrite, which is that I, I criticize the company quite often and I use it all the time. Um, You're honest, though. You well, know? I, I, my solution... So Airbnb actually hits both of the, the two issues that you were talking about, like the whole issue of, of raising rent for the locals and also over tourism. I, I spent some time in a neighborhood in Lisbon when I was finishing uh, writing my book that had it seemed like it had been taken over by Airbnb. This sort of beautiful neighborhood and the the sort of old couples that you see on park benches that you're like, oh, this is such a cool neighborhood. There's this old couple that's been living here forever and they're friendly and whatever. It seemed like there were far more like um, people with guidebooks walking around than there were actual people who lived in the neighborhood. So so there's individual neighborhood impacts of Airbnb. I to me the best way to use Airbnb is to use Airbnb the way it was intended to be before uh, it became this sort of corporate behemoth that is out to, you know, make a buck essentially the original idea of Airbnb is that people would uh, rent out a, a room in their house or in the few days a year that they were traveling, they'd rent out their apartment or their house to people and, and make a little extra money that way and then you'd actually get to live in a real person's house I mean, I, I don't know how you th- like uh, use Airbnb, but when I'm staying in a place. It's a real person's house i love to snoop. You know, I look at what books are on their bookshelves. Sometimes their their closet is full of Shoes and I'm like what shoes do you use if you live in Germany? I, I, I'm curious and uh, So I try to use Airbnb in that way, which is to stay in real people's houses you know, so much of Airbnb now is just someone who's bought an apartment or, or renting out a place just for the profit. They rented out year, year round. Um, so that's that's one thing. Just just use it the old fashioned way. Stay in actual people's houses that actually live there. Um, and I, I, you know, I wish Airbnb would put on a filter said I want to search only for real people's houses, not for investment homes that are taking the place you know that some other family could be living in uh, it all depends on the destination there are certain beach destinations that are almost entirely t- for tourists and in those places you know you can you can rent a, an apartment rental and it's fine i'm talking more about like in in city centers and in old neighborhoods um and it's also not just airbnb um i always think i went to dubrovnik and you know the walls the walled old city in Dubrovnik. I was asking around, I was like, does anyone actually live here? And basically nobody lives there. It's all sort of tourist rentals. And that's, I don't know, that's just sort of sad, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, The over tourism thing too, like you said, that can contribute to that. But also um, I know there's been a lot of content created recently around alternative destinations to those popular ones. Now, granted, you know, there's only one Venice, right? There's only one Angkor Wat. So some of those things are, I don't know, some of those articles are a little difficult to navigate because it's you you can't totally replace uh, one unique spot on the planet. But to their point, you can have a, a different, maybe more authentic experience in a place nearby or that's say similar in some way maybe it has also has a lot of medieval architecture and it has museums and things like that but it's it's not something a, lot of, a place that a lot of people go i mean what are your thoughts around the whole over tourism
1: well stuff? i've never been to anger Wat. i i was in venice like for a day when i was in college i, I don't i don't feel any huge desire to go uh, and i i guess i would i think the solution there is just to reduce sort of our this Bucket list way of, of thinking. I think a lot of people go to Venice to say they've been to Venice Um, or it also depends on what you want in a in a in travel. I always promote Going to places there where you can interact With people and who live there And Venice is certainly not the place for that um, if 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 you love this idea of Venice and over always wanted to go then I think great then you should go um, but you're not, you just have to realize what you're, what you're getting. And I, I and you're, you're getting, um, almost like a, a Disney world kind of experience. Well, I haven't been there in decades, so I don't really know. But from what I've read, you're getting like a Disney world experience. And I, I think Disney world is a really interesting, uh, sort of thing to think about. I was, I was in, I did a video in uh, universal studios, uh, in Orlando, the the theme park. And uh, people love it. People go and it's set up so that you can just have a purely good but completely artificial time. And that's fine. People are having a great time. The kids are having a great time. It's great. But it is set up for that. It's, when a city becomes that, that's a little better. I think about Paris, actually. Uh, um, you know, Paris, Some someone said something once to me that really made a lot of sense was that, that Paris wouldn't even be Paris without the tourists. Tourists are part of Paris. Like If you took all the tourists out of Paris, like the whole idea of going to Paris is that there's all these people from all around the world experiencing Paris, but yet Paris is still Paris. And uh, France does a pretty good job of balancing its tourism with its culture. Um, And uh, so you, you shouldn't just be thinking, I only want to go to places where there are no tourists. But it does... In, to me, it improves your, you know, my, my, I say this in the book and uh, the, the way that people treat visitors is directly sort of inverse to the number of visitors that there are. If you're one of the few visitors that visits a destination, you're just going to be welcomed and treated better than going, being one of a million people that, you know, visiting the canals of Venice. And to me, that's more valuable. But I'm the kind of person that likes interacting with people. Um, if you're really super into architecture and or you really want to have a really romantic time with your partner, those are different incentives to travel. And, you know, I guess I, res- I respect that for sure. It's just not my thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's mindset and perspective, right? Like, take the, the train example, too. I mean, if you feel like by not going to Venice or oh, you're missing out on something, then... I guess you're going to be missing out on something. But if you're like, hey, instead, I'm going to take the train here, and I'm not going to use a budget airline, and I'm going to slow travel, I'm going to meet people along the way, I'm going to see more of the countryside. It's it's the attitude around the choices, I think, as well, that can help to define the travel experience and maybe even conquer some of these issues. At least I'm talking it out for myself here in real time. In the article, you said, quote, You have an increasing discomfort with the travel influencers who glamorize and idealize travel into a, if you don't do this, then there must be something wrong with you, part of the human experience.
1: Well, I think that not everyone, I think some people travel because they feel that that's what they're supposed to do as a human being. Like, uh, I think we, uh, if you love travel, then you love travel. But some, I think some people travel because that's just kind of what people do on their vacation. In fact, when we think of vacation, we affiliate it with, we sort of associate it with going somewhere. Um, So I I think people just need to think about that. What do they really want to be doing? There's a lot of stuff you could spend the money on vacation, but that's probably not the people listening to your podcast i dare say you know probably your audience is people who really do love travel um so that's just one thing like be sure you actually love travel before before you travel i i have a, i have a friend who i always think about who who i interviewed for the book who is just like yeah i don't really need to travel i don't see why people are he he calls this he has a friend who who's always trying to basically get him to go places and he calls her a, a, a travel evangelist you know, people who run around saying you must travel, or it's the only way to be a human being. So, so for those people who don't don't co- need to travel at all, um, or not that much, they can just go ahead and and, and not travel. But I forget what, what was the question I'm not.
0: <laughs> it was just about travel influencers and. Oh, the travel
1: influencers. Yeah, yeah. So I think that what travel influencers do a lot of the time. I mean, there's a lot of great travel. I don't like the word influencer actually because no. it's. It's basically...
0: Thumbs down on that term.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look up actually influencer in like Wikipedia, you'll find it's a term uh, invented by marketing campaigns. Yeah. You know? Influencer mean, means <laughs> someone who's capable of getting their fans to buy something.
0: Oh, okay. Is that That's the definition? Kind of the original,
1: well, it's the original meaning and it's how the word got, yeah. um, got coined. Right. You know, oh, here's a you know, fa- someone's become famous on social media, they're able to influence people, so let's pay them money to promote our brand. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that that's what it is right now, but that's the origin of the term.
0: I mean, we all and, have influence within certain spheres, right? So it's like, it, not in that way. I mean, in a more genuine way. <laughs> right, so
1: so I guess I, I think a lot of travel influencers just glorify travel and make it seem like it's all so awesome. And every they edit their experience to look like everything is great. And that's not just true of travel influencers. That's true of of, of old fashioned travel magazines. And one of the great things about having done the frugal traveler column is as a columnist, I could actually write about the real experience. And, and if you read some of my columns, you'll see, I write about things that went wrong. I write about, huge mistakes I made, like, uh, wasting money and saying dumb things and, uh, and, and that's real travel. And, and, and I don't think we should be painting a picture of travel. That's just like this incredibly idealistic thing where you're going to be having a great. And when you do that, um, especially if there's some commercial interest behind it, I mean, when you travel around the world as an influencer and you're staying places for free, you're very likely to to speak highly of the places you're staying for free. Um, this has always been a problem with, with, with travel writing actually is that it's so intertwined with travel marketing that, uh, it's hard to tell things apart sometimes. Um, even, even the, the best travel publications these days often have to take free trips to make things work. Um, and I think it's important for people to seek out real real travel content where people are really being honest. and And there, I'm sure, are some influencers who are like that. but um, I do think people glorify the experience. And then when other people go on the experience, it's not and it's not what they thought it was going to be. It's a little disappointing. I mean, uh, you know, one thing that happened to me traveling in Brazil, was I I was doing a story for the New York Times and, and I had to stay in about a, one of these 36 hours stories and I had to stay in some. I had to get some hotel that I was possibly gonna write about and try to stay in a couple different places So you can sort of evaluate and I stayed in this brand new hotel and I happened to also be connected to the owner of the hotel to help me Get to know the city um, so I didn't tell the owner that I was going to stay in his hotel because I knew the minute he knew I was going to stay in his hotel and that I was a quote unquote influencer, uh, he would make sure I had the absolute best experience that didn't mirror others experiences. And so I finally got to the hotel. I checked in, I got a room and then I was like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going to run into this guy in the hotel. So I said, Hey, I'm staying in your hotel. And he said, Oh my God, what room are you in? And I said, Oh, I'm in room 812. He's like, Oh my God, you can't stay in that room. I have to move you to a better room. And I realized right there that like the influence of, of the industry on travel content producers is huge because if I had told him beforehand that I was coming, he would have made sure I stayed in the room with the greatest view that I got the best service. And that's, what's happening to a lot of people who travel, uh, as influencers, they get better treatment than the average tourist is getting. And they report on that better treatment. I talk in the book about a woman, uh, a review of, I I can't remember which big chain it was, but one of the Budapest, like Hilton or Marriott or something like that. And the woman um, stays in the presidential suite of the hotel because they know she's writing about the hotel. And so she... Well, who's not going to have a
0: good experience in the presidential suite?
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, she talks... I, I mean, I do sort of... Uh, poke a little fun at this particular review and she basically says the rooms have great views of 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 the river and i just went on to booking.com and i looked and it turns out you actually have to pay extra for a room with a river view you know so a lot you have to be a good consumer of travel content and realize that it's not all as great as it's it's made out to be i guess
0: yeah why did you quit the column did it have anything to do with what we're talking about today or?
1: No, it didn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. Uh, it It's an exhausting job. It's it's in a way the best job in the world and in a way it's um, it, it squeezes a lot of the fun out, out of travel. You, you, you know, I was the fourth person to do the job and nobody has stayed in it longer than six years. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a grind. You're traveling, you don't get to choose who you travel with, so you miss out on a lot of social life and social events. Um, It's very hard to maintain relationships when you're on the road so often, and it gets tiring. There's also, there's a lot of pressure to write once a week for the New York Times.
0: You got to come with your A game once a week.
1: Yeah, and you also are floating in and out of places. I will always recall arriving in Naples and knowing I'm going to stay for three days and realizing I have to write about pizza and recommend where to get the best uh, sort of pizza Napolitana in Naples and thinking, how can I ever do this? And feeling a lot of pressure to like just not to sound stupid. and the way I get around that is I basically confess that I'm not going to find the best pizza place in Naples. I'm going to write about it as a newcomer, as someone who's never been there before. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but there is a lot of pretending to be an expert involved, and not to say it's not the greatest job and everyone wouldn't want to have it because it it is, but after years and after a certain number of years of it, you know, you want to do something new. Uh, It also becomes a little bit repetitive to try to just continuously tell people how to save money. Uh, you want, if you're a writer, I mean, it's very common in journalism and I come from this as a journalist rather than a a person who's been involved in travel industry my whole life. So usually journalists work on things for five or six years and then they they move on to a new topic. Um, it's just kind of one of the great things about working in journalism. I still write about travel of course, but I also write about other things now. So, uh, and I, I find that, um, to be, to be great.
0: What are you writing about now? What are some of the other things?
1: Well, so for example, I just got—I uh, just did a story about uh, the water and sewage system of Medellin, Colombia. Um, the Medellin is in many ways a pretty progressive city. I don't really mean that exactly in like the leftist political sense, but they are very um, conscious of um, public services getting to everybody, and they sort of have a model system of installing sewage and water systems for the poorest people in the poorest communities. So they have a very high level of of housing of families that actually have water and sewage. And so I got to go and basically watch watch workers install sewage pipes in poor in poorer neighborhoods. And in a way that's actually great travel. Yeah, sure.
0: Uh, I mean that's real right there, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it's a lot better than Writing about hotels, yeah, because I still get to stay in a hotel, yeah, and I still get to eat out. At, at You're having a and, travel
0: experience, but without the pressure of having to write about the travel part of the experience, right? Right,
1: a, right. And so, so I mean, uh, being a journalist is always is always like that. You get to write about things you don't know that much about, and you get to learn a lot of things. And I guess you could say that. So, I guess you could say that. You know, writing about travel itself is not as great as traveling places and writing about other things.
0: Yeah. I can feel your vibe on that. I love talking about travel, but I've never really gotten into writing destination type stuff. I like to write about travel as a, like kind of similar to what you're doing with some of your books and things is, you know, philosophies around it or discussions like this, but not so much. I'm personally never gotten to the destination thing, but maybe that's because I'm, uh, I got two kids and I'm a little homebound right now. So. Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, think about the people who write. I, I know plenty of people who write like travel guidebooks, like a Lonely Planet book yeah. or something like, that. boy, that I admire them a lot. Oh that is man, what a hard. job. And that is not entirely enjoyable. It's crazy. They enjoy it because I don't think I would enjoy it.
0: My buddy David wrote the moon guide to Norway and we were hanging out like a couple months ago and he gave me his new updated version. And I was like... I just flipping through it. I'm just like, man, I can't believe you did all this. This is insane. Like this is an insane project. I can only imagine. I mean, I takes me long enough to just write a, an article, let alone a, an entire guidebook. So here's the last question I have for you as the former frugal travelers. You said as somebody who is an avid independent traveler. You've been used to doing it on a budget. I think we both kind of agree in many ways. That's the best way to kind of get closest to real travel and what, what, the people there and all, all the stuff that makes travel great um, on that level should travel be more expensive to offset this, this uh, issue of global warming and climate change and all.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a great great question because the minute you make travel more expensive that means it's less accessible to people with lower incomes and we're at a place now where huge huge portions of the world are traveling for the first time I'm thinking about the Chinese visiting Europe and and all that so it's incredibly difficult question but I think that one of the I think Experts would agree and I'm no expert but just from talking to experts that things like taxing air travel uh, taxing carbon emissions is the best solution to climate change. The idea that people are going to voluntarily change their behavior without having it cost them more is is not is is sort of Pollyannish. It's not really going to happen, um, or it will happen only with the best. Sort of it's a luxury to be able to change your behavior uh, without being incentivized by the government. So in that sense, yeah, I think air travel should be more expensive. Um, I think I put in the article, I think that in in the meantime, I think people should tax themselves. So I mean, one, you know, carbon offsets is one thing you can, of course, pay a few bucks and someone will plant some trees somewhere to quote unquote offset your your air travel. And that's good. Um, that's a piece of things. I mean, to take it to an extreme, you should take whatever your vacation costs and tack on 20% and donate it to political, uh, groups and environmental groups that are working to save the planet essentially. And, um, I don't think it would be bad if, you know, air, uh, if airlines were, were taxed more and carbon emitting behaviors were taxed more, and certainly there was more control over some of the companies that are involved in over, over tourism as well. Uh, if Venice, it wanted to charge you hundred dollars, I don't know what they, they might actually already do this. Some destinations actually charge, you know, just to sort of enter a place. Bhutan is sort of famous for that of controlling their tourism. Um, yeah, I think, I think m- maybe there's no right to travel. You know, I don't think it's like a human right. When you think about what hu- a human should do, because there's so many people that don't travel anyway, it's hard to defend like. Oh my God! You can't tax air travel because, you know, it's my right to visit, you know, Madrid once a year. Or something like that. So, so yeah. Um, again, people are going to say, well, you've been traveling forever, and, and now it's okay, and and you make a decent living, and. Uh, but you know, we have to make certain sacrifices. And I I, I studied economics, and a uh, taxing bad behavior is is a real way to change people's actions, and. Uh, so uh, and, and maybe the only way so yeah uh, i also think that travel publications and people like me and you need to start talking about this kind of stuff more luckily we're doing that as we speak just to again maybe glorify travel less and make people more aware of of the impacts of it and then people people will continue to do it i'm I, you know i'm It would be impossible to sort of stop travel and there's so many benefits from it as well It's just a a, a balance a balance and it's about awareness and it's about making some sacrifice Uh, Just sort of this again I go back to these these people who try to go to every country in the world I mean, I think it's just a horrible example to set like let's just travel the world so we can put our foot down and Across the border in a million places. So if you can sort of try to be the opposite of that and and still travel that would sort of that would be my ideal
0: yeah kind of going off what you just said using an analogy in norway here for example the the alcohol and tobacco is mm. taxed out the wazoo i just like to say out the wazoo sometimes <laughs> like any chance <laughs> i get to say out the wazoo i will i will
1: use it <laughs> i literally remember shopping for a six pack of beer in oslo yeah I'm just being shocked. Oh,
0: myself. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But the reason why the tax is so high is because... Or the philosophy behind it is that, okay, well, if you're going to consume these types of products, that means it's going to cost more to take care of you in our healthcare system. So we're going to tax you higher on those things because you're going to also be an additional expense in the healthcare system. So kind of similar but, to what, what you're saying the about... Great analogy. Like, yeah. should
1: you... Should it be your, is it a human right to cheap wine? You know, I mean, it's not. I love wine, but you can make an argument that it's increasing healthcare costs or something. I don't know if it is. Maybe it's not wine, I guess, has a reputation of being fairly healthy in moderation. But let's just say it was horrible for the healthcare system. You tax it, you have a little less of it. You know, you make some sacrifices.
0: Yeah. The other thing you brought up about taxing yourself, I know Rick Steves, who's big, I mean, travel legend. He just announced this Climate Smart commitment because he runs 30,000 people, I guess, uh, fly to uh, Europe on Rick Steves tours. So he's taxing himself, uh, his tour company, $1 million a year and, and donating it to Climate Smart Agriculture Conservation and agroforestry projects in developing countries. So this idea of, you know, even if you're an individual saying, okay, well, if you're like more politically minded, maybe you tax yourself in some way or you can or you, you can call it something different if you don't like nobody likes to pay taxes right <laughs> maybe call it your uh, luxury travel fee or whatever and do, donate it politically or you know do a carbon offset or you know you have to look into it for yourself but this idea of this self-imposed tax uh, or whatever you want to call it i really like
1: i mean i talked to Rick Steves at length i don't even think he's in the article which uh, but but i talked to him at length about this program and it's a great sort of case study, because you could argue it different ways. You could say, uh, well, it's obviously great that he's giving a million dollars a year uh, to, I guess, climate-smart agriculture is the term, yeah, that he uses. And and he's trying, essentially, to offset the carbon costs of flying all these people across the ocean to Europe every year. I would just watch out that the people who go on that trip then should not go guilt-free. Right. they shouldn't think, oh, well, this because is Because okay.
0: he's doing something, that doesn't mean they don't have to do anything.
1: That's exactly right. And I think that's a trap you fall into. Oh, I'm buying carbon offsets, so my trip is okay. Um, oh, oh, what did someone tell me? That? Oh, yeah. So I live in New York City, and we are like the absolute best at uh, per person. We have super low carbon emissions. So we all take the subway. Um, we live in a very in compact places and, and but that doesn't mean that i then have a free pass to you know go on a camping trip and get the suv with the worst gas mileage you know you, you can't just sort of you can't give yourself a free pass because of something you do the other argument is there, there's a huge argument about whether you know carbon offset activity or climate smart agriculture whatever makes up for uh, bad deeds in another area, but we could we could talk forever about that. It, it, I, I don't and I don't have a, an answer to that. Uh. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think this was a great discussion, Seth, as always with you, because um, it's just a lot of different perspectives and ideas coming out of it. And I mean, as everybody listening here probably has realized, we talking through we are talking through this in real time. And I think the intention here is just to create awareness it's not to shame anybody it's not to make you feel guilty for your upcoming trips or anything like that as we discussed it's just about creating awareness around this and just constantly putting it top of mind i think is is really an important thing to do when you're making your travel decisions and just remember that your travels have an impact so what can you do to help offset that or what can you use as leverage to make a bigger difference um and all of the things we discussed today so um
1: yeah, I mean, individuals can individuals can use social media when you post on Instagram. Look at what you're posting. Are you glamorizing travel? You should be talking about what you're doing to make your trip a more responsible trip instead of just posting pictures of your toes out in front of you at the beach.
0: <laughs> Seth, always appreciate you, man. You uh, want to let everybody know a little bit more about where they can find you and all sure. the stuff you got going on?
1: Yeah, well, my book is just coming out in paperback. I'm sure by the time this hits the hits the pod airwaves then it will it'll be out so now it's suddenly very cheap rediscovering travel a guide for the globally curious I post most of my new articles on SethKugel.com. and if you happen to speak Portuguese I have a YouTube channel for Brazilians called amigo gringo um, this some of the some of the videos even have subtitles if you want to check it out it's basically about how to how Brazilians can uh, American culture for Brazilians sort of. it's a really funny and fun project that's basically it I'm on Twitter, Seth Kugel, Instagram, Seth Kugel, everything's Seth Kugel. It's a great thing about having a name that no one else in the world has. I'm so the most Googleable person you'll ever
0: be. <laughs> right on. Well, cool. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: There you go. Thank you so much to Seth for stopping by today's show. This is always an important topic to cover, conscious travel, climate change, and how we as travelers can be good stewards for our planet and still get out there and have a good time and explore because you know what I believe and I'm pretty sure you share these values. Travel makes the world a better place. It just does. You get to meet people one-on-one from various cultures and backgrounds and religions and everything, it just alters your perspective forever. And I really think it, it unites you with uh, humanity in, in a specific way. For those of you listening to this show, you already know this, or if you haven't done much traveling yet, you I'm sure you have a hunch or you feel that in your soul. Hey, there's something I need to learn from traveling. I don't know why. That's kind of how it started for me in some way. I needed to go <laughs> and take off, and be in the world, and learn about the world in that way, experientially. And um, just one individual, so I have my own perspective. That was the thing that I felt like I needed, and travel has brought so much to my life. And just to reiterate the point, the idea behind these types of shows is not to guilt you out of traveling, but is to just allow you to make more conscious uh, decisions, more responsible decisions, uh, we could say, around the things you choose to do when you travel. That's it. Get you thinking. That's all. That's all. I'm not on a soapbox or anything. Just want to share some perspectives, get you thinking. That's my job on this platform, right? And my job is also to serve you. That is my number one job. You, the listener in this community, and all of you wonderful souls listening around the world, thank you so very much. You know, I'm here for you guys. You can always get in touch. Jason at zero ZeroToTravel.com is my email address. I've got a shout out to one of you. I got some great emails this week. And yeah, I always like to highlight people's stories in the community. I will get to that in one second. First, thanks once again to HomeExchange.com for supporting today's show Simply put, Home Exchange is a platform, it's a community, where you can exchange your home with other people around the world and stay in each other's homes for free. It's the number one home exchange community in the world today, and they have this brilliant points system they came up with, so you do not have to exchange your home with somebody else in the community at the same time. You can travel when you want, they can travel when they want, and When you're in the community, you all help each other out. That's the beautiful thing, right? So if you like the idea of being in a global community like this, you can sign up for free. You only pay their annual membership fee when you do your first exchange. How awesome is that? So you can sign up. You can browse over 400,000 homes. You can plan your next trip. And when you make your first exchange, only then... Do you pay your annual membership fee? And you can get 10% off of that just by entering the promo code 010 for being a listener of this show. Don't forget to enter that promo code because they're going to know I sent you and you're also going to get 10% off your annual fee, which by the way is only $150. I mean, that's like the price of a one night stay in a decent hotel. Yet you'll have access to homes around the world and be part of an awesome community. So check them out. Home Exchange. I'm loving it. So glad they are a partner on this podcast. And thanks to them for supporting today's show. Now, quick shout out before I let you go. Oh, I don't know if it's Sophie or Sophia, but I wanted to give her a high five, an auditorial high five. She sent me an email with the subject header, my life-changing travel experience. And she says, hi, Jason, exclamation point. My name is Sophie or Sophia. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know which one it is. She says, I am 18 years old from Wisconsin. Lately, I have been addicted to listening to your travel podcasts since I discovered them on Spotify in early March. I needed something to listen to while I grated potatoes for my family's farm during what was supposed to be my spring vacation that ended up not happening because of COVID-19. Your stories, tips, and interviews on your podcast helped me discover the amazing travel community I never knew existed. I love that. You can just, that's one of the beautiful things about the internet, right? You can stumble onto something like this, find a whole community of people just like you who love travel. Anyway, she goes on to tell some stories about her family vacations and some of the popular destinations she went to, like Disney World and Niagara Falls. And then she said everything changed when her mother started traveling on her own to Africa. She said, at the time I was 14 years old, it was strange thought to me. Why on earth would my mom want to go to Africa? Apparently, this is something she had wanted to do her whole life. She traveled to Kenya in her early 20s with a group on safari, but she was unable to do a trip like that again because she had five rambunctious children. So she goes on to talk about some of her mom's adventures, and she ended up going on a trip to Indonesia with her mother, and that changed her life. Changed her life forever. And now she's hooked on this idea of... uh, Just being out there and traveling and having experiences in the world. She said she did sign up to volunteer in Costa Rica. Uh, Obviously, that's on hold because of the coronavirus. But she says she is still hopeful for my future travels. That's all we can be, right? Still hopeful for my future travels. And uh, then she sent me some awesome pictures. She's smiling, holding these cute little baby turtles and drinking out of a coconut. Anyway, I really loved getting your pictures. Thank you so much for taking the time to write. I've gotten a lot of nice emails lately. And hey, if you've written me and I haven't written you back, I'm just going to apologize right here publicly. Because my email is backed up like crazy right now. But I read every single one of them. And I have read all of your emails. And uh, so if I haven't gotten back to you recently, I apologize. But I will say that uh, they do mean so much to get these letters from you. or Reviews for the podcast. This is the stuff that keeps me going. You guys in the community. All of you. So from the bottom of my heart. Sending you some love out there. Now go enjoy your day. Smile, take a chance today, plan that next trip, go on that adventure that you've been thinking about going on. I went on one recently that I've been thinking about going on for a while. Took my bike, loaded up my trailer with my daughter and all my camping stuff. (laughs) Got on the Tabana subway system here in Oslo and got off at the last stop, rode my bike out to a lake. I got very lost, spent three and a half hours looking for the lake. You know what? This is a story I'm going to have to save for another show. There were some lessons learned, trust me. But needless to say, we made it back. I'm still here. Uh, It was a wild adventure and my daughter and I had a blast. So get out there and take an adventure you've been putting off. You can have an adventure near home. Go for a long walk. Walk somewhere you've never done before. Ride a bike somewhere you've never done before. Camp outside of your town. Uh, If you're not able to travel, just take the spirit of adventure where you are today and make a little journey or adventure out of it. It is truly an adventure anywhere you are in the world. You don't have to be 500 or 5,000 miles from home. You can be five miles from home. So go enjoy yourself. Thanks for your time. And I will see you next time. Peace and
1: love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.